Welcome back to Cow Punchers, where the beer is warm, the women cold, and the bullets fly thick. I am the Deputy Stu Kaufman. And I'm really good at naming cemeteries. I'm Amy McLeod. And uh, who doesn't love a good bath? My name is Melissa Huggins. And on this episode, we watched from 1966, The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. That's right. It's Sabbathon 24. <laughs> and uh, this is great. The Good, The Bad, The Ugly, 1966, directed by Sergio Leone, starring Clint Eastwood, Eli Wallach, and Lee Van Cleef. And uh, before we get into it, got to say six stars. Thank you for listening. Yep, See yep. you next time. See you next Bye, time. Everybody. It was excellent. Watch. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> Watch yourselves out there on the trail. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but in all seriousness, this movie ruled. Uh, I highly suggest you watch it. Uh, it comes in at around almost three hours. It's worth it. It doesn't feel like it. So before Amy goes into the spoilers, just want to give our listeners a heads up that this is worth a watch. It is yep. worth it. Classic for a reason. Yeah. T- tell us what happened this here picture show. So we begin, as most Westerns do, with a man's lunch being rudely interrupted. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> there's a couple lunches that get ruined in the beginning of this movie. Um, but basically this movie, we're threading together the stories of the good which is Blondie, our man with no name, played by Clint Eastwood, The Bad, Angel Eyes, played by Lee Van Cleef, and The Ugly, Tuco, played by Eli Wallach. So the first first scene, which is uh, Tuco, that's his lunch getting ruined. He's being chased and hunted by several bounty hunters because apparently he's committed every crime, if you listen to the... He's he's committed every crime more than once. In various yeah, and, and he's, ways. And he's got three. Yeah. And he's got three parking tickets in New York City. <laughs> yeah. And I like there was one where they were reading off the charges. And like at the end, it was like using marked cards and loaded dice. And part of me is like, just let him have those. Like, you know? <laughs> What's some loaded dice among friends? But that's. I expected like, uh, you know, like too good to be like, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> right. Like, oh, that was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> you would have thought I would have won more money. <laughs> right. That did not work out for me. So oh, shit, I did that? Yeah. Oh, oh that wasn't me. <laughs> uh, but that's Tuco, the ugly. He is then rescued. Well, <laughs> he is captured by and then rescued by and then captured by and then rescued by Blondie. <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> Blondie is a type of bounty hunter. I was trying to come up with a term for him, like... Um, like an eco-friendly bounty hunter. He's a sustainable bounty hunter. That's what he is. <laughs> catch, he is catch and release. Yeah, he's a catch and release bounty he's just hunter. A, so, he's just a sport fisherman. Exactly. He is a sport fisherman for bounties. So what he does, and what he does with Tuco, is he captures him, takes him in, collects the bounty, and then waits uh, until they're just about to hang him, and then he shoots him down, saves him, Lather, rinse, repeat at the next town. So that's Blondie's deal. <laughs> He's like, look, you know, you cut down a tree, you plant a tree. You turn in your bounty, you you, you, you catch him back. And you do it again. <laughs> is it le- is it illegal? Probably, but who cares? Yeah, so he's got his little, his little gambit going there. Next, we have Angel Eyes. So he's introduced 
um, as someone who is interrupting a man's lunch very rudely, ruining that man's day. (laughs) And he's questioning a man in what I am almost 100% sure is what inspired Luke Skywalker's house on Tatooine. Oh my god. It um, might have even that whole, it oh, yeah. might have even been the same house. It might have been. I was looking at it I'm like this looks Star Wars as hell. Like do not tell me George Lucas did not watch this movie and George, take some notes. George Lucas had like no budget for the first Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, they were probably like, "Hey, we got this leftover from Good Bad and the Ugly." And he was like, "Perfect." I love it. <laughs> great but it's... put some sci-fi shit on the walls and we'll just call mm-hmm. it a day yeah <clears throat> yeah so a very familiar house uh for any star wars fans he's looking for a man named jackson the man that he visits i believe is called stevens he does reveal that jackson goes by the name bill carson now and he also reveals that this man jackson now bill carson may be in possession of a large amount of stolen gold from a stolen gold shipment um, so then Angel Eyes heartlessly murders this man and his eldest son before leaving with this information and taking his money. We go back to Blondie and Tuco. They kind of continue their gambit until Blondie's like, Tuco, you kind of annoy the crap out of me. I can't stand <laughs> you anymore. I'm going to leave you in the desert to, to die or like towns that way. Yeah. Happy trails. Go annoy the shit out of somebody else. Yeah. Like I'm done with you. Tuco is able to make it to a nearby town, and he swears his revenge against Blondie. He then does through some, there's some various things that happen, but Tuco does eventually get the upper hand, capture Blondie, and sort of does a, hey, I'm gonna make you walk through the desert, see how you like it. Um, I will say Tuco was kind of a bit more of a dick about it, but I kind of see where he's coming from. Like, hey, you left me to die in the desert. I'm gonna watch you die in the desert. But whatever. Um, while this is going on, a, a loose wagon, uh, a wagon without a dude driving it. It's full of dead Confederate soldiers, kind of runs up on them. Except my one favorite dude is kind not of wagon. Dead. That a what? I said my favorite kind of wagon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that was like the most creepy, stressful image of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was looking I was looking at that wagon coming along and I was like Look at that. Look at those horses. Look at that wagon. Oh, no. Don't. Don't. Go to jail. (laughs) Right straight to jail. Poor wagon. What does it hold? (laughs) A bunch of dead Confederates full of secrets. A bunch of dead Confederates. So (laughs) Tuco does what most people in any uh, who's ever played video games will do is loot the bodies. (laughs) Um, one One of the dead bodies is not dead. Just so happens to be Bill Carson. And he's begging Tuco for water, and he's like, hey, give me some water, because I know where $200,000 is. So that gets Tuco's attention. He's kind of like, give me the information, and then I'll give you water, because you know Tuco don't give a shit about this guy. (laughs) He's like, I'll get the information and just not give you water. What do I care? All he reveals, Bill reveals that the money is buried in a grave in a cemetery, Sad Hill Cemetery, but he won't give him the name of the grave until he gets the water. But unfortunately, Bill dies before Tuco can get the water back to him. But our good buddy Blondie was able to crawl his dying ass over there and got the name of the grave out of Bill before he kicked the bucket. And of course, Blondie is not going to tell Tuco that damn name. So uh, Tuco rushes Blondie to get some medical attention. 
while all this is going on, Angel Eyes is following various leads to try and figure out where the hell Bill Carson is so he can get the money off of Bill. But he basically gets your princesses in another castle, like, everywhere he goes. It's like, oh, he was just here. You gotta go to the next town. And he's, like, getting real fed up with it. Everyone ends up at the same Union Army prison camp. Angel Eyes is one of the Union sergeants. Not sure how he did that. I don't think it was legitimately. No. Uh, you, you know, there's the, the, they just need to get men in the army. Let me just yeah, tell they're, you. Yeah, <laughs> like, I think it was one of those things where it's like, hey, if you walk in with confidence, they'll just, you know, accept you. But I'm like, no way. Uh, but Blondie and Tuco end up being there as prisoners um, in a pretty funny scene. They end up getting captured by the Union Army while they are wearing Confederate uniforms because they're in conflicted territory. So, like, they know there's Confederate Army people and Union Army people around, and they, they kind of bet wrong and got taken <laughs> to this prison camp. Angel Eyes ends up uh, torturing Tuco to get the name of the cemetery out of him because Tuco took the name Bill Carson, uh, which was bad. <laughs> bad, bad call for Tuco. <laughs> Yep. Um, so he gets that name of the cemetery out of him uh, and tells him that Blondie knows which grave it's in. But instead of torturing Blondie, he's like, hey, why don't the two of us just have a cool guy's day out and go out to that cemetery together like two cool dude friends and split that gold? Because, you know, I, I knew you wouldn't talk because you knew it wouldn't save you. So let's let's just do that. But of course, uh, Blondie kind of quickly realizes that I'm going to die anyway because Angel Eyes brought a bunch of henchmen that are going to kill me as soon as we get there. Uh, while all that's going on, Tuco escapes from the prison camp and they all kind of end up in the same little ghost town. Uh, then Blondie teams up with Tuco. They defeat the henchmen. Angel Eyes kind of booked it. And they kind of like, well, let's make our way to the cemetery, I guess. Like... Let's continue on with what we were going to do. Uh, on the way, they end up blowing up a bridge and they finally make it to Sad Hill Cemetery. Um, and they face off with Angel Eyes, who undoubtedly was just kind of waiting for them there since he knew the cemetery. And it's like, all I got to do is wait for these losers to dig it up and then I can take it. We get that iconic Mexican standoff oh, scene. So good. Mm. So good. I love that mm. meme where it has them looking at each other and people add in like other characters from other things. <laughs> yep. So it's cool to see the original. Um, A meme in its natural habitat. I know. It's like, ooh, here's the meme. It's like when you. Um, it's like when you see the end of. Uh, um, which Casablanca. Okay. When you think of the end of Casablanca, oh. and he says, "This is the start of a beautiful friendship," and you're like, "Oh, it's oh, not a cliche because this was." This this was what started the cliche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's legit here. This was the first time anybody heard that. There it is. <clears throat> so, uh, worth it just to see that, I feel like. But we get mm -hmm. that, that scene, and when it comes down to, like, who's going to shoot who, both Tuco and Blondie shoot angel eyes. Which is... Then they end up... Which was it's perfect. the correct choice. <laughs> it was. Yeah. It was the 100% correct choice for both of them. Like, mm -hmm. zero risk. Shoot to, him. <laughs> to continue living. Yeah, like, we've worked together. This asshole is... This, no. 
is a dangerous unknown quantity. <laughs> He's going to kill me. Like, Oh, yeah. In a heartbeat. Yeah. So they end up digging up the money. They split it. Uh, but not before Blondie gets one last dig in. A little harsh, <laughs> I think. But he rigs Tuco up to hang. Uh, then rides away. Uh, real far away and shoots him down because he's like i don't trust you that much my good buddy uh so i'm gonna take my half and get far away before you can do anything to me and that's uh that's how it ends with tuco calling blondie a big old son of a bitch (laughs) Mm -hmm. and my god that ruled yeah, I mentioned right before we started recording, like, I know we when we watched the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> how that movie felt very long. And it is a long, that is a very long movie. Mm-hmm. This movie is like 20 minutes longer than that and does not feel all no, that long. No, not even a little no. bit. It, it keeps moving. Like, it's... Mm-hmm. Moving, I mean, it is an odyssey, so it's like they kind of stop by different places here and there, but they're constantly moving forward. And really even pacing through the whole thing. Yeah. 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 Like, as as Amy pointed out, this is a classic for a reason. Yeah. And it's it's always nice every once in a while to, like, come across something that has aged well mm-hmm. in many regards. I mean, I did still do a time check. Like, at one point mm-hmm. I was like, oh, how much do I have left? Um, but it was in, it was at an hour and eight minutes. So, and I was like, oh, it's already been an hour. Okay. Like I'm thinking, oh, has it been 20 minutes? Oh no. And then I was like, oh no, this is actually moving. Okay. I actually did the same thing. I think I checked it around. It was like around an hour and I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Like, uh, I'm with you. um, my wife was doing some, some work upstairs and she came down and I just paused it to chit chat. I saw that it was like an hour and a half in. I was like, oh shit, really? Hot damn. Yeah. Um, like also in regards to this being like a bit of a, a cliche or trope, like when the um, music happened, when the, when the, the that classic theme yes. happened, Ben turned to me because he was watching it with me and he goes, is, is this where this is from <laughs> i was like yeah yes. <laughs> yeah yeah like even if you're not familiar with western movies you've heard the theme mm-hmm. like that is the if you want to imply a the west most that's like shorthand yeah. in media to just use a clip of the, this the theme mm-hmm. to this movie or for the other uh, famous track in this movie if you want to sell modello beer <laughs> Which is delicious. Modelo, mm-hmm. please sponsor us. That is the ex- <laughs> That's the goal. That's the gold in my ecstasy of gold. Am I right? <laughs> yes. Nice, cold, refreshing Modelo. We will accept a sponsorship. We will. <laughs> I'll take payment and beer. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and tacos. <laughs> but, like, man, where to start? <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, I feel like we can start at the just the few scenes in the beginning, like the very beginning. It just opens on this grizzled. Yes. Western face, like mm-hmm. full screen with the face. Scar down I was like, the movie right. brings the face. He was the guy with the scar down his face. And I kept yes. being like, who is this man? And then it like it didn't matter who he was. He was no. ultimately nobody. But like, yeah. I was like, he's I want to know who that is. What is he? Huh? And he and he does come back yes, later during the bath back. scene. Yeah, which 
one of my favorite lines in the whole movie to skip ahead to that bath scene is when you have to shoot shoot don't talk i wrote that line down yeah, too i gotta say he's so fucking cool he had like oh man tuco had some of the best lines he, in this movie eli wallach just i mean like eli wallach amazing actor as we talked about before we started mm. recording amy he is the little yes. old man in holiday uh which <laughs> like you're like how how is this the same person but yeah. like tuco is this horrible little rat of a man like you hate him yeah. Um, He's awful. Like his entrance at the beginning, those little scenes in the beginning where he just comes bursting out of the saloon, like thing tied around his, like <laughs> napkin tied napkin. around his neck, like a joint of some kind of mystery meat, meat. in one hand and just <laughs> yeah. like gun in the other, in the running other, yeah. for his life, bursting out of the, it's, he bursts out of the window of the saloon, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah just yeah. like Kool-Aid man's his way. And oh yeah, but he's he's so horrible and he's such a little like rat, but yeah, he's incredibly charming. Like, how dare you make me feel sympathy for you? How dare exactly. you? Um, this goblin man, uh, like like when he has the interaction at the one point when they're at the mission and he, there it's the reveal that the the prior or whoever is uh his brother and they have their I whole exchange and you're like don't make me like don't eli wallach don't make me like this character stop it stop it you know i just loved <laughs> in that scene it ended with his brother apologizing to him and i wanted to be like don't apologize to him <laughs> right yeah like i that whole scene i i love that and then i loved how afterwards he talks to Blondie like, oh, that's my little brother and he loves me so much. He's always like, oh, I can't wait for to like he, you know, lies about the interaction. I'm just like, mm -hmm. to me, it just painted such a picture of this character and how like you, you, he views the world. If he's talking, he's lying, which then makes me go yeah. like, oh, yeah. <clears throat> how many of his crimes really happened? Yeah, this this consummate bullshit. Or artist. is he like, you know. Like, he even says, like, one of his crimes is bigamy, right? And yeah. it comes up with his brother when he, he's like, oh, I, you know, have many wives all over the place. Like, I married multiple times. And it's like, did you yeah. really? Did you really? Or mm. is it – but then you're also like, he's he's not the kind of little rat man where you're like, uh, he's also a charmer. Like he charms mm -hmm. Blondie, he he in a way charms a bunch of the other characters around him. He's able to turn the tables on his brother, who I personally think was in the right there to scold him. That's just I me agree. personally. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> I agree. And, yeah. But he's able to somehow silver tongue his way through all of this stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm like he like. I could see he's a good cop man. Like mm -hmm. the rat, his like his only goal is survival. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. like you can see him like he will do anything to survive. And like he's he's smart, but he's not too smart. Like he's smart enough. Um, yeah. 
Speaking of smart, I love the scene where he's he's broken into the the one store. Like, oh, we're closing oh up. My and he's just like, no, he just no, comes no. in, sh- <laughs> yeah. just comes in, and he's like. Pl- Messing with the guns, taking them apart, putting them back together, putting different parts of different guns together. I don't messing know if with that's it. how that I works. I wrote it down. I was like, right. can that happen? Are, is it mix yeah, and we, match? We need Pat back here. <laughs> I don't, yeah, can you mix and match? <laughs> I think maybe if it's the same manufacturer, but I don't think they were like, I don't think they had standardized gun parts. <laughs> I mean, this then. is the Industrial Revolution. Eli Whitney did invent standardized parts in like the 1790s. How... Ever. <laughs> I doubt there was like an industry standard of like I'm sure like the you want to make it the right size for bullets, mm-hmm. but like how they hook together. I don't and know. And then like how he casually just says how much, and the guy's like, oh, it'll be uh, ten dollars. Uh, he's like, waves the gun in his face. He's like, that's not what yeah. I'm asking. Well, yeah. I love that he he takes the bottle because the the old man who runs the shop has like a bottle of some kind of brown liquor. And he, like, has been swigging from this bottle the whole time. And then he steals the gun and he steals this guy's money. And then he just looks at the bottle and hands him back the bottle. And the old guy's like, eh, okay. <laughs> like, I know, like, he's doing him a fa- Like, he's like, you know what? I'll let you have that. Yeah, like, 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 he's doing him a favor. Yeah, Eli Wallach's Tuco is just an agent and, of chaos. And, like, and when he climbs into the bath, like, when he has that line of... You know, like when you have to shoot, shoot, don't talk. Like, <laughs> but he he just climbs in and he's like, oh, fragrant, smelly thing. Like it's the most bubbles you can have oh, yeah. in a bath. Like he he takes a minute to have the the fluffiest bubble bath you can possibly have. Like yes, you're... like and the look on his face when the guy's monologuing at him and then just fucking shoots yeah. him. <laughs> Yeah, like, I am enjoying my bath bomb. Excuse me. Right? And you have ruined my lunch, and now you're ruining my bath. How dare yes. you, sir? And it's... Right. I just got back from Sephora. Yeah. <laughs> my bath bomb. And also, like, he's in the middle of a war zone because this little ghost town. Because it all happens with the backdrop of the Civil War happening around them. Um, mm-hmm. but like, clearly, this town has been blown to to bits because of the shelling or whatever that's happening. These these battle lines that keep moving. But he's just like, take a bath. It's great. Yeah, because yep. he's like, that goes along with one of his other lines, which I enjoyed, which he said, "If you work for a living, why do you kill yourself working?" <laughs> and I feel like that encompasses his whole mindset and i feel like that is like he's like you know what there's a perfectly good bath here why not (laughs) like i'll let that go to waste like like like, why would i why would i avoid that um yeah but that was great yeah it's like he didn't need to add anything to it but he's going out of his way yeah i have like also like when he walks blondie out into the desert um and he just has a pink parasol Yes. Just for the yeah. hell of it. Just because, oh, yeah. like, he can. <laughs> Probably swiped it off some old lady. Oh, yeah. That reminds me of when we had, was it uh, one of the Sartanas? Yes. Uh, he's out in the desert with a, with a uh, with parasol. Really parasol. Mm-hmm. Charles yeah. Southwood. Yeah. I mean, two, two uh, mules for Sister Sarah. Her little teeny exactly. parasol. <laughs> Her teeny little, teeny little donkey. Little... Do, doing all of nothing. <laughs> 
but she looked fucking amazing. She did. <laughs> as she as did. did Tuco, even though he was being an absolute shit. Just yes. the, the, <clears throat> these three actors. Yeah. Uh, well, since we've uh, amazing. waxed poetic about Eli Wallach, can we talk about Clint Eastwood? Yeah. Yes. When we first meet him, I wrote in my notes, Clint, no, you're too cool. <laughs> we also I think I think Andy made a comment that it's not fair how handsome Clint Eastwood is in this movie. <laughs> God damn, he looks well, sharp. And he, it was that fancy man with no name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's looking good in this one. Right, he's got that uh, that fine jacket, the long the long mm-hmm. coat. He doesn't get the poncho until like maybe the last quarter yep. of the movie. The poncho and the sheepskin vest. Given mm-hmm. to him mm-hmm. by Lee Van Cleef. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But like, uh, I, you also got to appreciate the makeup in this. Like when he gets dragged out into the desert, when Tuco oh sort of God. drags him out and oh, like, yeah. his skin gets all like burned to oh. shit. He looked off, like lips just like burnt. Yes, I'm like that makeup artist better have won some kind of award. Uh, PSA, kids, wear your sunscreen. You know, wear yes. your hat. Stay, stay hydrated. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but like he, I mean, he was he was just as cool in this movie as he's been in all the other movies. You know, the character of the man with no name is just so classic. And mm-hmm. you 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 want to know more about him, but you almost don't care. Because, like, the only character we really get a lot of insight on is Eli Wallach's character, Tuco. We mm-hmm. still don't learn much more about the man with no name. Like, right. we, we know that he does this thing with Tuco, right? Um he's a drifter yeah 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 and i I, yeah i do think that's that's part of the 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 charm there and i just love how i mean and we've seen him in this character before but it's just like he's so observant he kind of gets a quick lay of the situation um Mm -hmm. like when it comes to when they're at the prison camp and they keep calling out the name like bill carson bill carson where's bill carson and he like nudges Tuco. He's like, "You better be Bill Carson," because it's like he knows he shouldn't do it. He knows that's a bad idea. So he's like, "I'll let this guy do it." He he also in this movie, like he's kind of the smartest man in the room. Um, against both Tuco and uh, Angel Eyes. Angel Eyes. But he, it's like, he's also scrambling. Like, he's like, I have this one piece of information, which is I know what what grave the gold is buried at. And I originally was thinking, like, why would that matter? <laughs> like, why, yeah. why would it matter? Like, okay, it's a cemetery. Like, there is a finite number of graves in a cemetery. And then... Yeah, like, it'll take a while, but you can right? do it. But then when <laughs> they, like, get to the cemetery and I'm like, oh... Well, that's a big cemetery. Okay. <laughs> ah, like, it all yeah. becomes like, clear. Like, what is it? It's Sad Hill. That is multiple yes. hills. <laughs> like yeah. multiple hills. Um, so so it's like, oh, okay. Um, but the way he holds on to that information to for like all it's worth, 
because he knows that this is the one thing that is keeping him alive. And if he can just yes. play this card out as long as he possibly can to keep going, then he can finally be like, I am done with all of you. <laughs> yeah, you all <laughs> suck and I am out. Fuck I didn't want to be wrapped up in this in the first place. <laughs> you Actually, Mel, you brought up everything that... I wanted to bring up before my, my, my brain decided to like drift off into space. I've had a very long day. My brain is mush, <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just like, like you just said, he's the smartest man in the room, but that's, but what makes him not like too much of a Mary Sue or too much of, you know, like a, a nobody. Like, he's the good guy. Nothing bad happens yeah. to him. Yeah. It, a nobody. Right. Yeah. Is, you know, bad shit still happens to him. <laughs> yeah. And you get that sense of like, Yes, he he's very smart, he's very capable, but he's in situations where it's like he can't like fan shoot his way out of this. Like he's always either like dying in the desert or like in a prison camp where you can't just, you know, that's a lot of people, you can't as one man overwhelm a whole prison camp mm-hmm. or the whole blowing up the bridge thing with the armies like that that the whole movie is worth it for that bridge scene, that yeah. interaction with that colonel that that he oh. that he and Tuco have, like this mm-hmm. colonel who, because it's this is an anti-war Drunk movie Kurt. as well, like so clearly yeah. in it, it's like yeah. they run into this um, northern and enc- Union encampment who is uh, holding one side of this bridge, and the goal is to keep the bridge, and they run into this colonel. Or captain? Maybe he was a captain. He was a captain. They call him the captain, Um, yeah. Who is drunk because he knows he has to go into battle yet again. And it's this, like, futile thing. We're fighting over this bridge because somebody decided this bridge was important. And they won't let me just blow it up so that we can stop basically killing ourselves every day in pitched battles with the Confederates who are just across the river. And if this bridge just didn't exist, we could all move on but we can't right um it's like a sisyphean kind of thing (laughs) yeah and the battle starts the captain goes out there and he comes back and he's he's got a gut shot like he's not gonna make it and Mm -hmm. uh tuco and blondie are just like we're gonna give him what he wants we're gonna we're gonna give him what he wants and and just this like they blow this bridge up in time so that the colonel or the captain can know that this thing is gone and it's going to save lives in a way. Um, But just his whole like interaction with that moment of like, yep, there's some dynamite right here and there's a bridge and I kind of feel bad for this dude. So we're just going to blow up a bridge. Yeah. Did you catch, did you catch the little uh, vignette in that scene where like, T- Tuco and Blondie have like the uh, the um, the stretcher with the oh dynamite God. on it. Yes. And they pass and they pass another like two Union soldiers with the stretcher, and they stop to look like they're gonna get a body, yep. and then they wait for him to go by. And they and get they're like, oh, let's get, keep going. And yeah. I was like, why do they need <laughs> this that. stretcher? And I'm like, oh, they need the stretcher so that they can pretend, so that they they don't get stopped essentially. Yeah. And so yeah, that yeah, they yeah. can also, carry like, the dynamite on the water because they it floats. 
Yes. Like, and Blondie's smoking his his little c- cigar, and like he looks down, and it says explosive, and he's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, he like takes his thing away, like, oh shit, I didn't know that was there. <laughs> like you just leave yeah. these things laying around. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He was kind of like, what? but it was that scene was was great, and I really liked the choice to have this movie set during the Civil War and not really be about the Civil War. It's just like. The Civil War is happening. Right, it's a and, backdrop. And they have to kind of navigate their way around it. Like, we don't know, like, the allegiances of the characters that we're following, they're never exposed, doesn't matter. They don't mm-hmm. seem to really care. Because they, they have their goal is to get this gold. And they're just like, this whole war nonsense is really it's, uh, cramping yeah. our style. Although it does give us the best joke of the movie when... Yes. When Tuco and Blondie are dressed as Confederate soldiers and they've got the wagon that they have, you know, that was once full of uh, dead Confederate soldiers and secrets. (laughs) They've kept the secrets, gotten rid of the soldiers. Um, Yes. But they're using it as a way to, like, get through this kind of militarily inhabited war zone. Yeah. And they see a group riding towards them of soldiers and Blondie's like, oh, it, they're gray coats. And Tuco just has to open his big ass mouth and is like, you know, Hurrah! Hurrah for the Confederacy! Hurrah! Down with General Grant! Hurrah for General. What's your name? Lee. Lee! 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 Hey! God is with us because he hates the eggs too! Hurrah! <laughs> they get close, and Blondie's like, oh shit. Yeah, he starts to go, oh. Because all the soldiers, the only reason their uniforms are gray is because they're covered in dust, and they beat the dust off of them, and they're blue Union soldier Navy uniforms. Blue. It's like, and that 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 oh. the actor who's like the lead officer of that group, his his face speaks volumes of just like, uh huh. You you want to you yeah. want to keep going there, bud? You want to keep talking, buddy? Like, go on. I could listen all day. <laughs> so good. Yeah, it's like, look, I'm tired and covered in dust. I cannot with your bullshit. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, 1862. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that is that I because I I've seen this movie before. And I, when they got close to that part, I was like, oh, my God, I love this part. <laughs> yeah, it's just so funny. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I just, um, I enjoyed that, having that, the Civil War as a backdrop. And, and yeah, it is a very anti-war movie. Like, every time it's like, because we see a Confederate kind of encampment um, where they go to, Tuco goes to first to try and get medical help for Blondie. And they're kind of like, if you want medical supplies, we don't have any. <laughs> like, yeah. this is shit right now. <laughs> It's like you're better off going to the prison camp if you would like. Yeah, go there and they'll they'll fix you right up. So what a great know. example of showing and not telling it. No point is there like some exposition where some officers like, well, I have to admit that things aren't going well for the South. Like, no, it's evident that the, the Southern War effort is falling the fuck apart. In yeah. This area. Well, yeah, and and like even though and like like you get a little bit more portrayal of like the North being positive. Because you have that one, um, I guess he's the warden of the prison camp who is laid up with uh, a gangrenous leg that's going to kill him. 
and he knows that Angel Eyes is mistreating the prisoners, but he can't do anything about it because he's just so sick. He's dying. He's dying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But he's like, I'm going to live long enough to make sure you and all your goons are, you know, hoisted by your own petard because you shouldn't be treating prisoners this way. So there's this like glimmer of the North being portrayed positively, right? A absolutely. Um, and they as, even yeah. mentioned, because um, it's like, oh, well, it's not like Andersonville, you know, like, because mm -hmm. like, you can't do that here. It's like, well, what about Andersonville? And it's like, well, we're not Andersonville. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, but you then get the captain the drunk captain and it's 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 just such a poignant portrayal of we're fighting over a bridge that means nothing that yeah. we yeah. are we are having men we are fighting over this bridge every single day more and more men are dying nobody wins nobody loses we you know we finish the battle and we go back to our respective sides and then we do it all again tomorrow and yeah. it's just such a poignant portrayal of like why war why this is stupid like yeah why are we doing this 100 percent. because it's like hey you know this this whole thing that they're having to deal with on the ground with you know <clears throat> men dying on the front lines every day is decided by people thousands of miles away looking at a speck on the map circling it and say we must have that right oh yeah that that's the place yeah fighting with uh you know it, it, and like it, i think it, it's kind of hinted that it's earlier in the war like the second year of the war so they're still like using napoleonic tactics with weapons that are not that far removed from the first world war <laughs> yeah i th they had some of the biggest cannons i've ever seen <laughs> yes. i was like is that for real where, where did he find I these mean, yeah i mean if you've ever been to edinburgh castle there is i think it's called like like mons meg or something and oh, it's yeah. a huge like huge uh cannon like so it wouldn't surprise me that they had this artillery that could you know do this you know like guns that big did exist <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah like the, the cannon technology had been around for a while they're like just make it big like <laughs> what was it? it a lot of that was like siege artillery which to be fair is probably not going to be used out in the far west theater in texas but it, but it could <laughs> it could, could be like well Don't this cannon this was me. left here from the spanish mm. might as well use it <laughs> well is it i remember using it like some of those big mortars they did use, especially around sieges in like, say, Charleston around Richmond. And I remember they had two to bombard Charleston, South Carolina. One they called, um, I think they called the Negotiator. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and I think the other one they called the Dictator. <laughs> so it's just like, I love it. You guys, you guys are good. <laughs> hey, you know, they're better at naming cannons than uh, these people naming cemeteries. Sad Hill. Sad I mean, Hill. Come on. Like, yeah. Like it's, and also That's what it is. clearly multiple hills. Just sad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wrong. On, I mean, like, I guess correct for the emotion. Like, yeah, you're going to be sad in a cemetery, but mm -hmm. like. Well, I guess well, maybe the other ones are called like there's Sad Hill, there's Sadder Hill, and then there's the saddest hill. <laughs> yeah. 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 Ha. Uh... <laughs> Uh, it's a shitty joke. Should, I, I, going back to Tuco, I have a question about one of his crimes. I wrote, I wrote okay. it down. Inciting prostitution. 
That's a great question. I mean, I've heard like inciting a riot. How do you incite prostitution? Forgive, I think it's forgive called, my stupidity. I think that's called being a pimp. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, like some okay. of his crimes, I was like, oh, that's not great. Yeah. Like some it's of them, I was like, oh, gross. Yeah. Um, like the crime of offering a, a, a dehydrated man foot water. Ugh. Oh, God. That was disgusting. Yeah. He didn't, well, he offered it to him and then kicked it away. He didn't yep. even let him drink it. So, mm, um, foot water. Should we talk about the bad? I think we should. <sighs> the, sh- oh. the reason for the season. <laughs> oh, oh my God. The Lee Van Cleef in this movie. Like, I, th- I feel like a lot of the movies we've watched with Lee Van Cleef, he's been a good guy in yeah. most of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, or our main well, character. Like, he's a bad guy in Bad Man's River, but he's our main character. He's also, well, is he a bad guy in Bad Man's River? Is he? He's the bad man. <laughs> he's like George Clooney in uh, Ocean Ocean's Eleven. Like he's him. technically a thief, but, you know. Like uh, the him. one where we've seen him be a truly bad guy, like this, uh, was in High Noon. Yes. When he was Lad yes. Van Cleef. Lad Van Cleef, yes. When he was but a boy. And he makes such an amazing villain. That first scene when he goes yes. to, to harass that man and his family. First of all, it does a thing that I absolutely love in Westerns where the scene has no dialogue for yes, the no majority music. of the beginning. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Which I think added to the tension and it was like everything was just showing you through the actors and like the scene and like him just standing in that doorway with uh-huh. the two arches. You're just like, the angel of death has arrived. Right. Oh, shit. I, the devil himself is in my doorway. I have. And doesn't he look sinister? I just wrote high stepping horse, Lee Van Cleef, the scarf, the hat. The stash, like the stash. He was, he was. It was so good, and the the eye contact was so aggressive. I was like, yes. "Oh God, I feel yes. upset," and he's not even looking at me. Yeah, like and the, staring through you. And in the moments, like where he he shoots the guy in his home, and where he shoots the one dying Confederate officer in his bed. Also, I want to talk about that. Yes. The way he ends that conversation with the dying Confederate officer, just be like, he says something like, he gave me money. You know, that because up to this point, he's, he's said several times, be like, when somebody pays me to do a job, I always finish. Yeah, because the guy tried to bribe him mm-hmm. to be like, look, I gave you the and information. That, here's all my money. And he's like, he already paid me, so I got to do the job. I almost forgot. <laughs> he gave me a thousand. I think his idea was that I killed you. <laughs> but you know the pity is when i'm paid i always follow my job through you know that no i love that i love that he wasn't given a job but he's just like yeah i'm gonna kill you and he's like i took the money so i'm gonna kill you and the shot of the smoke (sighs) rising from the pillow what a cool customer like holy shit that laid such a good foundation for his character for the rest of the movie of like this guy don't give a shit (laughs) he will do anything he will kill he will kill again (laughs) he's he's also he's also like 
it was it was actually a good way to introduce him this way because even though he's not as dapper in this movie as he was in um uh fist a few dollars more um in a few dollars more he's he's still someone who's very stoic very man of few words you know like he's got that little glint in his eye and and that sort of carries over into this but as soon as those things happen you immediately know this is not the same character this Mm -hmm. is it's played by the same actor not the same character not the same type of character oh immediately you're like oh this guy is no bueno like this bad this man is vile it's a very bad bad man like like he (laughs) earns the name the bad but yes he's (laughs) yes um absolutely amazing villain in this like and, and, and to set him up like that and he does a couple other things as we see him um try and track this guy down but like then once you get to the prison camp and you see that he's in a position of authority there you're like this is this terrible. is the worst it's not good. this, this is, the is the worst situation and i wonder so what movie is it where it's a, I want to say it's like Reservoir Dogs, but I don't think it's Reservoir Dogs, where there's a torture scene of somebody in a warehouse set to like a jaunty little song. That is Reservoir Dogs. Is it Dogs. Reservoir Dogs? Is that Tarantino? Yes. That is Tarantino. Okay. <laughs> Melissa is yeah, flailing. It's obvious. <laughs> it's obvious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, because, you see where that came because from. Because... <laughs> I think I've read in like a few places when I was like trying to learn a bit more about this movie that like Tarantino cites this as like his favorite movie or like his favorite Western. And in the torture scene of Tuco where Angel Eyes gets the information about the cemetery name out of him, outside of that, they have this band, this choir of, of, uh, um confederate prisoners singing and mm. playing music this like little lullaby kind of yeah. weirdness it's so jarring because it's this little lullaby paired with this absolute horrific beating torture that tuco is going through and then it cuts to clint eastwood as blondie with the other prisoners listening to this band happening and the one like old grizzled confederate prisoner turns to him and he's like yeah as long as the music plays he gets tortured like and you're just like oh my god so that that yeah that dichotomy of this like little sweet song versus this high violence happening at the same time as like and it's more than just beating uh fi it's like it's like eye gouging <gasps> it's cuts he it's tried whips, to game of thrones his ass is what they tried fuck, to yeah. do <laughs> I think I blocked the eye thing out of my... I think I, like, had to cover my eyes at that point because I was just like, can't... Nope, nope, nope. Nope. Amy, I guess it puts the West in Westeros. Oh, yeah. That's where the mountain got the idea to do that to Pedro Pascal. Because he watched this movie. He watched this movie and was like, that's a neat trick. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) you write that down. Don't don't Uh, you you say that about my Mando. (laughs) (laughs) He didn't do it. It was done to him. Amy, to repeat a, a recurring joke in this podcast, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never seen it. One day I'm going to force you to watch it. I don't know. That's a lot of show. I don't know if I can do that. But, like, I also really enjoyed, like, because everybody knows that's what's happening. Like, everybody at the camp knows, except Blondie. I mean, I guess he probably assumed that's what's going to happen. 
but then when you see they they kind of pan over the band and like they all look so miserable mm-hmm. and even the the fiddle player like has to stop at one point because he's like so distraught at like because the longer they play the longer someone gets tortured and i i just enjoyed that as well to kind of be like yeah, this is an awful place. Yeah. <laughs> and they're at the mercy of these these horrible men who are not even legitimate uh, Union Army sh- soldiers, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, no. I'm pretty the- sure they murdered the actual Union Army soldiers and are pretending to be them. Probably a safe bet. Yeah. And, it was, and with all that in mind, and that terrible torture scene, it was nice to see what happened to uh, one of uh, oh. uh, Angel Eyes' chief uh, henchmen in that, in that uh, instant. Yeah. <laughs> I Thro- thrown off a train and then beaten in the head with a rock. Yeah, I liked uh, Tuco's escape as well because mm-hmm. it just showed he's like, I'll do whatever I gotta do to not right. die. Well, At first, I thought we we're gonna have to reset the piss clock. Mercifully, we didn't. No. <laughs> well, he drags him off the train. The the fake. So Tuco drags is chained to this guy. Drags him off the train, kills him with a rock, and then. I love that he's like, well, shit, I'm now chained to a dead body, which in this heat is going to smell very quickly. And then he he realizes, well, there's a train over there. Train tracks. Puts the chain across the train tracks and gets free that way. But did you watch? The body gets dragged under the train. Yeah. Like. (laughs) So if he was knocked out and not dead, he's dead now. He's dead. He's very dead. Yeah. Yeah. So it's getting so hit by good. trains, not a good good thing. Not gonna not suggested. Not for not for doing it at home. Yeah. Nine out of ten doctors agree that you should not do that. That tenth the one ten- is a psycho. <laughs> <laughs> this is an absolute quack. You should get hit by a train. It's my my new whole health method. He get hit by a train. <laughs> oh shit. Oh shit. Oh God! Um, but to to go back to to Angel Eyes, Lee Van Cleef, um, his death and a lot of the deaths in the movie were just really cool. The dudes getting shot, dude shooting, uh, like the uh, when the, his henchmen go down in the uh, war torn little village, um, the deadfalls. Oh, the dead great falls, deadfalls! Man. There was the one deadfall where he like fell forward off the roof. Mm-hmm. Just like perfect, <clears throat> no notes. Like yep, just on repeat in my mind. Just be like quick turn, Clint Eastwood, bam, Ugh. Mm-hmm. perfection. Mm-hmm. So good, so the good. gold standard. But uh, can we talk about the final shootout in the <gasps> movie? Oh yeah, the Mexican standoff, ecstasy of gold playing, and the tension rises. And they, and they, it almost echoes back to the standoff in A Few Dollars More with like a little tinkly tune. There was so many callbacks in this movie. Um, But that, that like, like that little tinkly tune and then you're like, but it's not the same kind of thing. Not going to end the same. (laughs) Yeah, I, I caught that too. And I just liked the same they're in a circle the same time, like, because in A Few Dollars mm-hmm. More, they were in some kind of... Right, they're in a corral. ...stone circle. And then this time, the cemetery has, like, this stone 
patio circle thing in the middle of it. And that's where they all decide to <laughs> hang out for the shootout. Because what to, happened? They went out like, there to make art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah, because like uh, Blondie is like, I'm going to write the name of the grave on this rock <laughs> and put it over here. Because um, it was basically like they were all like, we know that not all of us are going to get this goal. <laughs> they basically leveled <laughs> with each other. Um, so that was the solution. He's like, I'm going to write the name on the bottom of this rock and we're going to do what we got to do. Um, and then it was, it was great because the rock didn't have anything written on it. <laughs> because the, the grave end. was for an unknown man. Yeah. Yeah. The grave was marked unknown. And, uh, so I just, I thought that was great. Cause then it was like, that was almost like Blondie's last, you know, fuck you <laughs> if you kill me. Cause like, good luck. eat shit asshole yeah and it's very like also this nod to he has no like yeah he's called blondie you know in a few dollars more he's mango in the first movie i think what is it joe or something he's just joe yeah like he he doesn't have a name so it's so fitting that there is no name for the grave that he like the name he's known all along is no name yeah yeah (laughs) He's the true and nobody. He <laughs> the is. nobody we need. The, the, I love how the shootout is punctuated not just by like Lee Van Cleef going to the ground, but then he reaches for his gun a second time. Eastwood shoots him, and he rolls over into an open grave. And I was Beautiful. Just, that is the coolest shit. And, and then he shoots his hat shoots off. his hat into the grave. <laughs> He's like, "Get your ass in that grave. <laughs> yes. All of your Stay. shit. Get it in the grave." Down, bad dog, stay. <laughs> yeah, that that ending shootout is so good. You get the nice long stairs, looking back and forth. Everybody's like, "Uh, who's gonna do what?" Mm-hmm. It was amazing, absolutely amazing. Oh, so delightful, good. beautiful. Uh, two little details. One. The presence of an ambient dog at various times of the film. I enjoyed that. So many ambient dogs. Also, and also, did you catch the cat too small? Yeah, it's like Clint Eastwood has a little kitty cat. He <gasps> a little kitten. kitten. In his hat. Yes, it's a little kitty cat. I was like, it's not hat too small. It's cat too small. <laughs> oh, cat too small. No, cat is never too small. No, cat is never too small. They, they, ugh. <laughs> small fuzzes oh i enjoyed the random cat that was nice i'm sure our intern was real happy <laughs> yes yes intern ariel she did not show up to work tonight so i don't know what's what's her deal we gotta have a conversation <laughs> yeah that's gonna go on her performance review it is those are coming up mm-hmm. right yep so. um but yeah oh digital kitty now good. i my head canon is that cat just wandered onto set and I, Clint Eastwood. You, you might not be wrong. Clint Eastwood was just like, oh, kitty. <laughs> yeah, Sweet. this will be nice. Uh, this is pretty This is pretty chill. The director was like, no, let's keep it. Let's keep it. Yeah. <laughs> Cat will leave you alone? Let's, let's use it. Let's use it. Just put them in the scene. It's fine. Put them in your hat. That's funny. <laughs> and the many pretty horses. Lots of pretty horses. Especially mm-hmm. Lee Van Cleef's horse. Like Very beautiful. Mm, lovely. Beautiful. Gorgeous. A, a sinister horse for a sinister oh. man. Gosh. Yeah. Just everything in this movie was awesome. And like the, the cinematography, the beautiful, like the way that you got 
glistening sweat off the actors in the tense scenes. Beautiful, dusty, barren vistas. The just the awkward shadows of a shattered town. Like this, this, this. It was one vast goddamn postcard. Oh, it was beautiful. Do we want to talk about our segments? I uh, sure. I'm ready for this. We uh, want to start we... with the postcard, please. Like I had this great image of Lee Van Cleef on horseback, going up the side of a mountain over the beautifully rolling hills of Spain. Is it so beautiful? It made you angry. It's <laughs> <I was, laughs> like reveling in it. It's like the first time so I cool. saw first time I saw the Grand Canyon and I was trying to take pictures of it and I was like that pictures don't look as good as what I'm looking at. I'm angry at my phone. Thought you want to toss it in the I want to throw this into the, the canyon. Yeah. Oh wait, I need that. I need that. That's got all of my information on it. My postcard was the gunfight. Them setting up for that oh. gunfight that long shot where they're standing on that like stone circle like just getting into position like oh like i want to put that on a wall like it just like oh, so good the tension you know that whole moment yes i might do just that actually <laughs> you should it's, like, it's, I it's pretty good print. it's pretty yeah. good get a big like when we get our next home we have a basement hangout area i gotta get that yeah. that's so good that's so good i gotta go with you know me i'm a big lee van cleef stand so uh I just love that image of him kind of jauntily leaning up against the doorway, like looking in, like oh, ja- like right oh. before all the shit hits the fan. I'm just like oh, looming good. in the doorway, mm-hmm. and you could see the arch of the doorway, and then kind of the arch between the two rooms. It was like this double framing, and it, I yeah. just it was a beautiful shot, and that whole scene, the the aggressive eye contact. <laughs> Yeah, so amazing. Aggressive. I yeah. I felt uncomfortable. Yeah, I was like, I can't look at him. Like, like you don't. And at that point, because the last time you've seen him, he wasn't a bad guy. Like he was a vengeance guy, but he wasn't a bad guy. Mm-hmm. And, Here he's very bad. And so, and you're like, how's this gonna go? What's going on? Oh no! And then you're like, yeah. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially because it's like he's just looking for information. So you're like, okay, he's just looking for information. And then he's like, nah, I'm going to kill you too. <laughs> <laughs> you, you thought I was going to let you live. Right. That's cute. Yeah. Bam. And and ugh, and then the, the wife in there, like, like trying to gather yeah. her child, like, because there's a yeah. little boy. Yeah. <sighs> And I and I forgot what I what I also liked about that scene is like so you know Angel Eyes comes in and he sees the younger son like moving some kind of mill or a well or something the the younger son like runs in the house um, and then I think he sees the wife so it's like he only sees three members of the family he doesn't see the elder son and we don't even know that there's an elder son until he's like oh is that your family and there's like a picture. And there's four of them. And then you see, like, the guy's face kind of, like, drop. Like, yeah, that's my whole family. So then you're like, God. So then he knew to look out for the older son when he went to leave. And it was just like, God damn it. I was shocked. Like, oh, shit, he shot a kid. I thought he'd shot the younger son until I realized it was the the older one. And it was just like, Mm -hmm. whoa. It's crazy. God. So... Lee Van Cleef. It's my postcard. 
it's a good pick. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Lee Van Cleef, um, what was your face and why was it Lee Van Cleef? He happens to be a sweet looking dude. <laughs> I almost gave it to the opening guy with the scar at first because I'm like, we're starting <laughs> off with the face. Like, here Me we too. go, getting in there. I, but yeah, I, I, I gave it to Lee Van Cleef for this one from that first scene with the. There was one point. Um, and I can't even remember what he said, but he kind of like leaned forward and like looked at this guy and he had this like devilish evil look on his face. I was like, that's my face right there. So mine was, was not Lee Van Cleef. I know. Shock, horror. I'm sorry. (laughs) Is he behind me? Is he behind me? I love you, Lee. Oh God, he's there. Oh no, it's Eli Wallach. (laughs) <laughs> but it, it's Eli Wallach in the holiday. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but Eli Wallach just has this, again, he's he's this little rat man who is so charming. You can't help but love to hate him. Like You want to root for him uh, and you hate him. You hate him. He's yeah. horrible. Um, but this... when they're leaving the mission and they're on, it's after he's had the confrontation with his brother and he and Blondie have the you know the the wagon um and they're it's their first attempt to go get the gold um he has this moment of like this little like grin on his face because he and blondie are having a conversation about trusting each other or something like that and he just it's like it zooms in on this like grin he's got where you're like he's playing a fool but he's not a fool like he knows exactly what's happening and he knows what he's trying and he's just like, I gotta try, you know? And you're, you're like that, that right there, that little smile is what makes me like you. How dare you? Yeah. You, you little jerk. You little shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this you, you dirt monster. Yeah. You slimy <laughs> bastard. <laughs> yeah. You know, initially for face, I just wrote yes. Cause I was overwhelmed by this movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I did eventually give it to to Lee Van Cleef. He does. It's not the face he has in the standoff, but it's right before that where he's looking over his shoulder, his shoulder, and he's got the his, his eyes are like reduced to like like slivers. The hat down, the shade, the lighting, the stubble, the sweat. Be like, yes, put him on money. <laughs> <laughs> I love Lee Van Cleef's hat. I really want one of those. But like mm-hmm. watching this, I was like. I can definitely see, like, in um, Rango, how Rattlesnake Jake was supposed to be based on Lee Van Cleef. I'm like, this is the Lee Van Cleef they were taking notes from. He looks like a snake. (laughs) Yes. Just, it's, again, it's that sharp face. Like, like, oh, he's so charming, yet so evil. And, And he can either be, like, a bad man's river, like, a bit goofy, a bit silly, um, and Neil completely swings the other way to Angel Eyes, where he's just horrific. Yes, yeah. <laughs> just an awful Sinister. man. Yeah, absolutely vile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- this section will be easy. Uh, the saloon search. Uh, because we didn't have one, we had a ruined saloon where uh, uh, um, uh, Tuco takes a bath. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, or defenestrates himself where we yeah. barely see the inside. But since we're looking for a place to drink, this is a great time to remind people to stay hydrated. Yeah. Because that was the one thing I took <laughs> away from this movie when it came to drinking. 
It's like, yeah, I, I turned off the movie like I got to get a big glass of water. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Dear listener, if you have not had enough water today, pause this. Go get yourself a nice glass of water mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. You'll, you'll feel better. You know, put it in a Stanley cup if you want. You know, that's the hot thing right now. Just yeah, don't fight. Stanley Cup. Just don't get in a fight in Target over it, you know. Yeah, get your hydro <laughs> flask, your Yeti cup. Yep. Your if if you do get in uh, in a fight at a Target or a Walmart over a Stanley Cup, uh, take a long look in the mirror. Think about your choices. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be okay. There's all kinds <laughs> of off-brand cups that are they're all the same. Like yeah. it's gonna be okay. Yeah. <laughs> Might not look as cute. But you'll still get nice cold water. Yep. And then watch this movie. Yes. <laughs> watch this movie. Uh, costumes? Please. Uh, yes. Okay. I'm so excited. So I went down a rabbit hole with costumes. <laughs> yes. Um, first, first rabbit hole. Um, so before I get into so much of it. So the designer for this movie is I'm going to say this incorrectly, and I'm very sorry. Uh, Carlo Simi, S-I-M-I, Simi, um, which we have seen him in a movie. He has one acting Ooh. credit. Uh, oh, shit. He is the El Paso bank manager in For a Few Dollars More. <laughs> <gasps> That's awesome. Um, and he was the designer for the whole Dollars trilogy. He worked a lot with um, Sergio Leone. Um He's also uh, a set director, um, so he did some set design, um, and like that's why I think because you have the same director, the same designer, you know, you you have like a really good consistency of the look of these three movies. Like you would think, like oh, there's a lot of inconsistency, um, but in general, the look is solid all the way through. Like these three movies look like like i would compare it to the new star wars trilogy where yes some things carry over movie to movie to movie but i would say the look and the designs of them are very different like from uh the force awakens to i forget what the second one is um What's the second one? Last Jedi. Last Jedi to Rise of Skywalker. Like the design, the visual design of them seems inconsistent. Whereas these three movies, I think because the guy was in it, super consistent, which is satisfying. Yes. Um, But when you look at the, did you catch this in the opening credits where it's like uh, costumes from Western Costume Co.? I did not catch that. So. Let me tell you. <laughs> tell us. Tell us. Lay it on us. So Western Costume Company still exists. It's existed oh, wow. since the 1910s. Uh, you can go on their west- website, uh, westerncostume.com, hashtag so, not an ad. Um, <laughs> so it, it, in 1910, was it just a clothing store? Well, it was a, <laughs> it was a purveyor of Native American goods. Oh. Um, and it became... I'm looking, I'm, I'm quoting from their website right now, and it was a go-to source for filmmakers looking for authentic costumes and props for their Western films. And so this, this Western costume company was formed in 1912. And, like, you get to the 50s and 60s, um, and, like, this company costumed things like Sound of Music, Cleopatra, like... Um, I think that's what this is saying. But anyway, but like 
this company also flourished because you had all of these Western TV shows and Western movies, this boom happening. So like if you dive into this website, what's kind of fascinating about it is they they're still providing things. They have like vintage clothing. They have this huge extensive rental wow. stock uh, that is organized by barcode like a library. <laughs> Yeah. Holy shit. Um, so it's it's really cool. Um and they like if you go on their on their website, like they have pictures of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like it's it feels like they've been very entrenched in movie making and all this kind of stuff, and they have this huge archive of clothes and outfits um that they provided for movies. So there you go. <laughs> wow. If it's Whoa. the same Western costume coat, which I'm going to assume it is. Um, That's so cool. But to even more of the rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it goes it deeper. It goes deeper. Uh, so there was that, right? So from that little thing. So, but then when I was researching uh, Carlos Simi, um, again, apologies for mispronouncing his name. Um, I found, I, I was like, reading about the costumes and it's connected to what order these movies should be watched in. I have heard that they are not. They're they're actually backwards, according to what I was reading about, um, which is consistent with the internal timeline of the movies down to the costume presentation. Um, So... Good, the bad, and the ugly chronologically comes first because it's happening during the Civil War. Mm. And which makes sense because when we first see Clint Eastwood, he is super dapper. He's in that gray um, jacket. He's got like a really nice kind of shirt. Very fancy. Very nice. And he loses that outfit as the movie goes on. And then Lee Van Cleef... Um, after they've after they've had the the um, gotten him out of prison and all this kind of stuff, and Lee Van Cleef kind of kidnaps him with all of his dudes, um, throws because he's only got like a Confederate uniform to wear, throws a bunch of clothes at him and tells him wear this, and it's the iconic shirt with the sheepskin vest and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, yeah. And then as it goes on, after they blow up the bridge. That's when he finds the um, the poncho. The poncho. You know? So he, by the end of the movie, he looks like the man with no name that we've come to recognize in the movies. Which I was like, as soon as that started happening, <laughs> I was like, because you're initially like, because Lee Van Cleef is, play, is the same actor from the last movie, but he's not playing the same character. So you're kind of like when you see Clint Eastwood not in the same clothes, is he still the same character? Because the one consistency that we've had so far is he's when wearing the same clothes from the first Dollars movie to the second one. And this one, he's not. Um, So when he at the end of the movie, he's in the clothes we recognize. We're like, oh, this is the same character. It is the same person. So then... Sorry, I'm very excited. (laughs) Oh, this is good. Then when you get, then the next one is for a few dollars more because when that, and and because of that, because the character that Lee Van Cleef plays, the colonel, he's a Civil War veteran. 
So it's a few years after the Civil War, so post-war. And I think I have confirmed this with screenshots. I think I have. Um, An article from Screen Screen Rant was talking about it, and it says the only factor that puts for a few dollars more before a fistful of dollars, however, is that um, Manco and Mortimer exchange in a bravado shooting contest where the target is the man with no name's hat. The holes from that squabble can be seen in a fistful of dollars. Oh, shit. Now I got to watch that the, again. And look at I them. was looking at screenshots of for a few dollars more trying to see from like the beginning of the movie. And it looks like in the beginning of the movie. He's got holes. He doesn't have holes. And then oh. the hat hat the hat shooting scene happens and the holes are there. And then when you look at a fistful of dollars, he's got holes in his hat. That's so cool. That is amazing. <laughs> God damn. So and so that to me was like super interesting, super fascinating. Um, and then my last little rabbit hole thing, again, I found this on this screen rent article, is um, they say about the man with no name, much of the character's outfit, including the iconic poncho and sheepskin vest, were brought overseas by Eastwood as part of his own wardrobe from the set of the TV show Rawhide. Which oh, that is awesome. was a TV show that ran from 1959 to 1965, um, where he was a young buck cow yeah. puncher. <laughs> Punching them cows. Punching them cows. Gosh. So that, that I was like, what? Like, you, you look at these costumes and you're like, oh, it's, you know, like, hat, shirt, vest, boom. Like, it's mm-hmm. stereotypical cowboy. But... The, the way that it also, the cons- the internal consistency, like holes, no holes in the hat. Like, I think, I, fascinating. Which, like, which is doubly fascinating because the way that, like, these are all spaghetti westerns. And, you know, I think at the time they weren't really considered, like, very sophisticated Mm-mm. films. Oh, yeah. Um, which, you know, is wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah, false notes. They are amazing. Uh, and that they, t- like, they didn't have to do that, basically. Like, there was no... They didn't have to no go need. this hard. They didn't need to go this hard. <laughs> and I just love that as, like, a way to pull it together. Because it's like, as we've seen with, say, like, the Sabata movies, which are very near and dear to my heart... But they are not connected, no. like, at all in any form of consistency. Um, and I think on at a first blush, you could look at the Dollars trilogy and be like, they're all just different characters in every movie. But I love that I, mm. you know, I in, in The Good, Bad, and the Ugly, I did love that he, like, became mm-hmm. the man with no name. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really, he didn't really have a name the whole time. Tuco yeah. just calls him Blondie. Um, so that's amazing that they kind of worked backwards. <laughs> and it, it's this weird, like, like, like working backwards, like, like you, you normally make a trilogy moving the forward other in time, but to make right. it, and it almost doesn't ma- like fistful of dollars, few dollars more. It almost doesn't matter, you know, which one of those comes first. Cause they're both standalones. Yeah, they're all standalone. Um, Mm -hmm. But it also then sort of tells a story of like you have the man with no name at the end of this movie 
where he's got all this money. He's got a beautiful horse. He starts off for a few dollars more. Again, beautiful horse. Uh, he's bounty hunting. He's doing all this stuff. And then when we see him at the beginning of Fistful of Dollars, he's in the middle of flipping nowhere riding a little donkey with nothing. And it's this, it's like one way you watch it, he's gaining. The other way you watch it, he's losing. (laughs) Yes, I love that. And it kind of tells, it's like, I kind of like it in the reverse way to kind of show like why he, you know, like he's got some flaws. He lives Mm -hmm. the way he lives. Maybe not so much because he wants to, but because, you know, he makes some poor financial decisions. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, where did he come from? Well, here you go. Yeah. And I like, I really do enjoy that we really don't get any backstory on him in, in really any mm-hmm. of the movies. Like, he... That's... I'm okay with it. So, yeah. Like, it works. They make it work. But yeah. But, so that's awesome. But that, that's that cool. story told through design and costume, I I hadn't picked up on it. Until I was like, oh, I want to know a little bit more about this. And then like, oh, wait a sec. Wait, what? <laughs> I've got a fun fact. What, oh, what's the fun tell fact? Us. They were going to make a sequel to Good, Bad, Re- and the Ugly. Okay. Really? And it was going to be about um, Tuco chasing down Clint Eastwood's or Blondie's son for the, the rest of the gold. Because it was going to be, like, it was, like, much later, so that it was like, well, it'll be his son, and he's going to try and get the gold from him. But it never happened. So. Probably for the best. Yeah, I feel like it's it's fine on its own. It's perfect well, on its the own. Gooder, the the The, the great, worst. the... And the hideous. The, the worse <laughs> and the, yeah, <laughs> the disgusting. <laughs> no, truly, the sequel to this movie is called Two Mules for Sister Sarah. That's mm-hmm. the sequel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ass. <laughs> he says ass in that movie. <laughs> well, we forgot a segment. I was about to say, we almost forgot something. After all, he's not a bad old coot. <sighs> I mean, not not coot heavy, but I mean, you got the one coot in the Confederate camp. I feel like mm-hmm. who was they like, teach... "Hey, go to the prison camp." Exactly. We ain't got shit here. We're all just dying. Yeah. <laughs> Gun shop coot. Gun shop coot, yes. He was a great coot. Like, a little bit of a pushover. You know, he's trying yeah. to close the dang store. I mean... But isn't that, isn't that a coot? Coots sometimes are pushovers. I mean, you know? he, he, it was him with his corn liquor, you know. He, he probably fr- already started drinking. Like, drinking, at, drinking time starts before well, closing and time. And up until he got held up, he was thinking he was going to get paid some money. But Yeah, he's like, hey, a sale's a sale. Yeah. What? Also, coot uh, like to coot like behavior to not re- realize that you're being robbed. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I'm like, to me, the moment that man steps foot in your store, I feel like should've, you're getting robbed. The moment, right? You should have stepped out front and been like, "I need to call the sheriff." The moment, the moment that he asks for bullets and you give them to him, right? And nobody else in the store, just you and this guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it must happen a lot because just of the like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he was very like nonchalant about it. I I think that's our our main coot of Store this film. Coot. Store is coot. is Tuco a coot in some regards? Yeah, he's a he rat headed, man. 
He <laughs> this is true. He's just a, dirt, a wild dirt monster. He he por- he's too smart. Like mm-hmm. I compare him to the guy in Bad Man's River, who's also mm-hmm. like a little rat man. Um, the little buddy. Yeah, I, I can't, can't remember can't his remember name. What his name is? But it's helping out. What's her name? <laughs> like... Yes. Oh. Yeah. Oh, that was a different. That movie. was a different movie. No, no, no. He's the one. He's in Bad Man's River. He's the one that does like. Oh, you. Someone speaks French to him or Spanish yes. or something, and he's like, "Oh, you hear what he called you?" Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He. I can't. Remember. He was like not smart, and he was afraid of women, and like he just he just wasn't. He was more of a coot, whereas Tuco was too active too smart he was too aware of what was going on to yeah to really to really really take care of anything i feel like the key difference is like i feel like a coot is they're very stationary you know like even if you have like a traveling coot it's like they are part of the environment they're not Mm -hmm. trying to rock the boat or move anything forward or backward like they are they are like a part of the environment right whereas they are either part of a town a a a mountain crossroads or they live in a boxcar yeah they don't have like the same like main character energy if you've got the main character energy you can't be a coot though i mean there are exceptions Mm -hmm. i would say old henry is an exception, but still, he didn't want to be the main character. He wanted to stay right. in he just, one place. He, he just wanted you to shut your nonsense. Yeah, shut your nonsense. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, uh, I feel like that is one of the key identifiers of a coot. Because we've seen some people who, like, um, oh, gosh, uh, Buddy Bill or Buddy Ben Buddy or whatever Bill. his nem- name was. Buddy Ben. Uh, he looks like a coot, but he had way too much. I don't know. It's the a- too much. It's the, a- the agency. Agency for me, like yeah, mm-hmm. you know. You're right. Coots are set in their ways. That that's what makes them coots. Is they're just like you have these habits that don't make any sense. Yeah, like the <laughs> guy who's tasting all the dirt. Give me, bring me your dirt. <laughs> I can't even remember what movie that was. What are you doing? Eating dirt? What's it look like? I was like, all right, sorry I asked. All right. Okay. (laughs) You're going to ask any more questions? I think that was a Jack Palance movie. Oh, gosh. I I mean, it's the coot in the shack next to the railroad who is cursing the railroad. Mm -hmm. And he won't. He will not move. He will not move. He is in the shack. yeah. Like his shack is probably inside, like like a, like a train shed or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the train scrapes his house when it comes by. Yeah, but he's not. But he's moving. like, no, my what? soul is tied to this patch of land, and I Hell, will not. The railroad move. even offered him money to move. They're like, like, here, like here's a thousand dollars. Take your shack and go literally anywhere. Yeah, they're like, we <laughs> will pick up your shack with you in it and move it wherever you like. And he was like, God dang, no, don't move my shack. Yeah, see, I feel like we're 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 slowly building a better uh, coot identifying yeah. system. I still think the horse is a coot in Telegraph Trail. 
contested coot. <laughs> the audience was the coot. <laughs> the, we we were the coots of that movie for having watched such it. Such a bad movie. But I don't know. It was nice to see really like very young John Wayne in this like terribly acted film. Like and I like how they're all like leaning in to where the the microphone probably is. <laughs> I was like, about to say that. Yeah, just like <laughs> Like, I gotta make sure the microphone picks up all of my lines. Well, shit, John Wayne looked frustrated through half of that movie. Just like, God, can we just get our shit together, please? Westerns, put in more stock footage. Westerns have come a long way. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> when, um, I think it's when, I think Eastwood grabs Tuco and pulls him onto the back of the horse at one point, And yeah. then just goes, didn't need a scooch cut. <laughs> Yeah, that was good. I watched that one. I was like, "Well done, no scooch cut." Or doing their own stuff. Or they they uh, they cut it super great. I mean, <laughs> there's also like like there's vaulting yourself from the ground with just your power. But if burly John Young, uh, Clint Eastwood, grabs you and yanks you and helps <laughs> you get that vertical motion. I think, you know, it's almost as good yeah. as a trampoline. <laughs> that would have got you there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would help was, anybody. Uh, there is one aspect of this movie we haven't spoken about at length by itself yet, and that is the music. <gasps> Classic. Like, you know, we Classic. mentioned we mentioned earlier the the you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That is the classic You'll drop movie, it in. But yeah. it goes throughout this movie and like ecstasy of gold used to like raise the tension of the madness in Tuca's head looking for the grave where the gold is scratching at the dirt with his hands. Yes. Yeah. The, I mean, probably it's one of those things where I almost wish I could hear it for the first time because it is it's so yeah. overused in media today as the Western shorthand that I think it does kind of, at least for me, spoil it a little bit. Cause it's like, I've heard this a, th- a thousand times, but I had a huge grin on my face when you started hearing it. You're like, Oh yeah, it's the song. And it's like, good. It's, it, it's so good. It's, I mean, I think the only, there, I mean, there's so much good music in Westerns. I mean, I think about like the grand duel has some amazing oh, songs fuck, yeah. too. But yeah, this one is 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 no no exception. I mean, it's like they pulled they pulled this is the sh- western shorthand for a reason because it's amazing. And one of our listeners and you you made me think of this just now A is uh, uh was it a while back I I had criticisms about the music for was it Bad Girls? Bad Girls. Might have been, yeah. Um as it being like, you know, having like like daytime soap opera sound and uh, one of our listeners brought out that it sounds different when it's in a movie theater. Mm-hmm. And with that in mind, what you were just saying, A, like, we watch these on our TVs. Can yeah. you imagine how fucking cool this movie is in a cinema? Oh, yeah. Holy hell. Like, yeah. the music, the visuals, like, it's, it's again, a lot of, I think a lot of movies and TV shows today are filmed with an understanding that this is going to be mostly seen on a small screen yeah. for the most part, right? You still get mm-hmm. big shots and things like that. Um, but most movies we see, especially now with streaming the way it is, 
Um, but movies like this and like a lot of like, and we'll probably talk about this when we get into like some Technicolor wonders and when we do musicals, you know, like the big shots, like it's, you're meant to sort of be overwhelmed by them on the screen. Like that big long, like the, the, the one we talked about of, of them setting up for the gunfight is, is this when they, even when they first see the cemetery for the first time, like like, cause, cause yeah. I mean, how many people are thinking through the whole movie? Like, it's a cemetery. Like, there's a finite number of graves. Like, yeah. And then, you, then like, you how see many this, is like... it gonna be? Why are they so hung up on this? And then you're like, like, oh shit. Oh. <laughs> but that first shot of it, it's just like huge. And like, can you imagine seeing that on a big screen? Like having that vastness added to, like, to it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's it's hard to capture in your home. And it's like, hey, if you see some of these movies that are getting played at like a, a local theater, sometimes they do throwbacks. Yeah. Like art house theaters will often do Go that, do yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We need what? to do that. We should we should figure out when well, one of these movies the, uh, the Charles Theater is usually a good site for that. And I think the senators sometimes we should definitely do that because they had Rio Bravo like like six months ago. We should have gone to see that. Yeah, we'll have to keep our eyes peeled. Like I've seen Actually, cinematic like, experience. Like I, I've seen um, Singing in the Rain on the big screen, Ooh, which nice. was really good. Same with West Side Story, a movie I never liked until I saw it on the big screen. And then you really understand the dance numbers. Mm. Um, and I think what else about Casablanca? Oh, nice. Um, but like, like, because you also have to like, like TCM does a lot of uh, discussion of this about like pan and scan, where what they would do is they would sort of cut, chop, chop the film visual so it would be smaller to fit on a TV screen. You know, yeah. that's why when you watch a lot of these older movies, you have the black bar on the top and the black bar on the bottom. Um, and it's like, people are like, oh, I hate this black bar on the top and the bottom. Like j- live with that because yeah. it allows see you to see the whole movie as opposed to this pan and scan, which cuts out like half of the visual. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It, it just yeah. breaks it. It breaks it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is a real pain in the neck when I try to make reels. Because I'm like, <laughs> I want to show the whole thing. But it's going to look like a freaking thumbtack on your smartphone. Same <laughs> same when I try to post our visuals on uh, yeah. Instagram. Instagram loves to crop them down no matter what I do. I'm like, come on. Why are um, you like this? The, I know. One day I want to get us a website. Right? <laughs> where we can post everything. But, but to be right. in a movie theater and hear that theme song, like, I, it must be like... Like, like when when Star Wars when they when they announced the new Star Wars movies and I went to go see them like I hadn't se- I'd seen the first new ones when I was a kid yeah and yeah, then yeah. to have these second new ones come out and like Force Awakens and you go on opening night and you hear the Star Wars theme happen and you just oh. get excited because that's exactly. enough, that's a similar kind of iconic music. That when you're in a movie theater, it's so big, it fills everything. And I feel like this, this, that, wah, 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 like yeah. that in a movie theater would be like, oh, are you ready? Amazing. It's happening. Yeah. It's happening. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
Ride him, cowboy. Yeah. Yes. Oh, God. Um, so good. Well, G- well, G, how do we feel about the good, the bad, uh, the ugly? Zero out of six would never watch again. Garfield. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, no. Lies. Yeah, if this is a six out of six. Um, 100%. It, it's, it's a classic for a reason. This is how you do a three-hour movie. This is how you do yes. it. Yes. Like... Like, did we, did we have, did we have to pause a couple times? Yes. But we were like, we are invested to keep watching this. There was no like, oh, we're still going. Like, none of that. No, it was like, I have abandoned shorter movies. Like, I've started movies and not finished them. Like, and not because they were offensive or that terrible, but because I'm like, I don't feel like spending any more time on this. But this one, yeah, had to take a little... I'd take a little uh, little potty break, a little snack break. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I was like, all right, I'm ready to keep watching this. So I had to go get popcorn. Like we, of course, we thought we were gonna have to do a two sitter. This was not a two sitter. Mm-hmm. No, you can do it in one. Yeah, to me, it's like this is one of those movies where, like we say, the kind of the benchmark. Like, would I watch it again right now? And I'm like, if I had, if I had the time, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> That's the only thing. It's like I want to watch it again, but it. It doesn't feel like three hours, but it does take up three hours. I, so like, I, I, that's the struggle. I, I now want to watch it in reverse order. Like I now want to yes. watch right. Good, the Bad, and the Ugly, then for a few dollars more, then Fistful of Dollars to have that experience. The uh, it's almost like he made a palindrome trilogy. Like you can yeah. watch it one way and it tells one story. You can watch it the other oh, way yeah. and it tells another story. But it works both forwards and backwards. Sergio yeah. Leone, you beautiful bastard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just great. It's great any way you can watch it. If you got to split and it up, I mean, it's just great. So it was good. great because I'd got gotten up to go to work. Uh, like, like I, I'd gone to bed the night before like with a snow delay. So I'm like, all right, well, I get to sleep in. So I got up to get ready to go to work, called the weather line again. They're like, oh, nope, no work today. And I was like, yeah, I'll watch the movie. And then I'm like, yes, I'm invested. <laughs> Yes. We, yeah. we had a wine and pizza night when we watched it. Nice. It was great. It was so good. That sounds mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Holy smokes. The whole trilogy is wonderful. Like, mm-hmm. they're all really good. Like, I still think about for a few dollars more uh, with the with the musical watch. Like, I, so good. I think for a few dollars Shit. more is my favorite. Um, just the like the like the only criticism I could have is this movie doesn't have um, the same bad guy from the previous two movies. Um, oh, what was his name? Uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Was he in the first one, too? He was in the first one, too. Um, You're right. Yeah, the first one. What's his name? Hold on. I'm on it. Gian Maria Volante. Yeah, so... They, I was reading some things and like he was originally supposed to be the ugly, um, but, oh. but I think he would have been great, but I think he would have been much more sinister. Yes. Um, yeah. Whereas Eli Wallach got the, the charm, you know? Yeah. The um, like greasy huckster mm-hmm. man. But uh, I wish Volante had had some other part. Because I love yeah. him so much and I loved him in the other two movies, especially his evolution in uh, For a Few Dollars More. I would have so I would have liked him to have come back in something. But Yeah, yeah. 
yeah well nice <sighs> yep so nigh on perfect movie just good good god you have a good time at a loss for words um i want to thank everybody for listening and i heartily encourage you to go out and see this movie find the time you will not it will not be a bad decision landmark western um uh, if, if you like oh, let me check the pony express before i start getting too far down the the road here check the mail check yeah i think i mail. just let me see i think i just looked at it and there wasn't oh, you anything just checked there it. all right man nothing since september well say la vie we tried um, dirk uh left us a little message about oh. our last um thing on instagram oh yeah yep our listener good old dirk yeah. Um, Hi, Dirk. Let's see. His comment on our Blazing Saddles post uh, was great podcast episode. Oh, good. We appreciate it. We appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for. Uh, so... we, we, we hope we're brightening somebody's day, mm-hmm. maybe making it easier to clean your house or whatever it is you're doing when you're listening <laughs> to us. We're just. We're... Maybe on a long drive. Yeah. We're just. But yeah, feel free. Three friends who really like movies. <laughs> yes. We like movies, and I can feel like my tastes evolve as we've been oh, on yeah. this journey of watching westerns. Agreed. I feel like I, I understand. A lot more about like why people like things why i like things so but yeah so if anybody has any suggestions like your favorite western if we haven't watched it yet or if we have and you don't agree with our assessment and want us to give it another go reach out Please. let us know we we love suggestions and you can reach us at our email which is at cowpunchers show so there's two s's next to each other in the middle cowpunchers show at gmail.com you can also leave us a like a review and also please subscribe uh please and when you subscribe leave us a uh, five star review wherever it is you go itunes spotify we appreciate it and also we have uh instagram you want to tell us about it at cowpunchers pod where we have everything we just talked about pictures of our uh faces not our actual not our faces. real faces no. but faces from the movie Faces from the movies. You don't want to see my real face. Other people's faces. It will terrify you. Exactly. I don't. I don't actually have stone. I don't have a face. No, it's really Uh, weird. Man without a face. We never know what (laughs) Stu is thinking because his it's just a blank. Yeah, he just. It's very. It's it's. It's it's deeply unsettling. It is. I have to look away a lot. If you stare at it too long, you'll you'll see how you die. Yeah, it's not good. Uh, uh, and uh, also, you know, our, our, the landscapes we picked, we picked, and also some entertaining reels made by our very own Amy McLeod. I'm a bit behind. I'll get some more <laughs> together. <laughs> we we do we do respond on oh. the Insta, so please we yes. do. <laughs> so please please uh please follow us on the Insta, the gram, as it were. I'm I'm so hip. We're, Let me we tell are you. so hip with the kids. Oh yeah. <laughs> We know we know things about stuff. Hello, fellow youths. Hello, fellow kids. <laughs> Go team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, watch the good, the bad, and the ugly. I am, as always, the deputy Stu Kaufman. 
And I'm still awesome at naming cemeteries. I am Amy McLeod. And I'm going to add some bubbles to my bubble bath. My name is Melissa Huggins. Y'all watch yourselves out there on the trail. Yeah! If you stare at it too long, you'll, you'll see how you die. <laughs> <laughs>